Cognitive biases are those sneaky little brain shortcuts that happen without us even realizing it. They make life more efficient, and most of the time they're helpful, but sometimes they can backfire too. Today, we'll look at three more of these biases so you know what they are, why they happen, and how to stop them from messing with your marriage. The Marriage Podcast for Smart People is designed to help busy couples like yourselves move away from conflict and unhappiness to build a marriage you'll love today and treasure for a lifetime. This podcast is made possible by listeners like you. Learn how you can help save marriages, prevent divorces, and keep families intact by going to oyf.support. Once again, that website is oyf.support. And now, here are your hosts, Caleb and Valinda Simone Gundel from Only You Forever. Welcome to the Marriage Podcast for Smart People. If you want to build a thriving, passionate marriage, I thought it would sound more sexy with a lower voice. No? Uh-huh. Your face is not. <laughs> We've got the research, the truth, and the answers you're looking for. I'm going to try high pitch next time. What a thriving, passionate marriage. Linda's like, okay, don't stay in your chair. <laughs> we have another brainy episode for you this week. This is episode number 230, and today we're going to be talking about more cognitive biases in marriage. Hey there, before we get started on these cognitive biases, if you missed last week's episode, we also discussed cognitive biases. <laughs> I'm really good at saying that. Yeah. So worth going back and checking out. Actually, it's really interesting. So if you want to figure out how these sneaky biases can undermine the love in our marriages, go back, listen to that one, and then listen to this one too. Also, make sure you hit the subscribe button so you don't miss any upcoming shows from us. And remember, if you're struggling with your marriage, we offer sound research-based advice spoken out of a Christian worldview. And most of all, we offer hope. Okay. Let's do this. What are we doing? What cognitive biases are we doing today? First one is reactance bias. I don't have this one. You what? I don't think I have this one. Well, when you feel like someone's trying to force you to do something and you react by doing the exact opposite, that's the reactance bias. I think I you do have this, this one. I do this one mm-hmm. when people are trying to pry information out of me. You shut down. I do the exact opposite thing. I'm like, I'm going to be a piece of gray rock, very dull and uninteresting and not going to give you anything. Uh huh. Or if someone's like trying to push you along in a lineup. Yes. That does not go well. That does not go well. No. Nope. Of course, you don't have these biases. You're very pure in your thinking. (laughs) So reactance happens when a person feels that their freedom to make choices is being threatened. Hmm. So if you feel like your choice is being taken away, you're likely to act in a way that does reaffirm your own ability to choose, usually by acting in a way that's the total opposite to what you were being pressured into. Hmm. Yep. So for example, when the legal drinking age, this is interesting, when the legal drinking age was increased from 18 to 21, I don't know where that was, I think... I don't Somewhere know where that the was. States. Probably the U.S. The research shows that young students aged 18 to 20 started to drink much more as an act of defiance against the fact that they weren't allowed to drink anymore. Really? Yes. See, I just think that that's stupid. So in our show, we're careful to be non-judgmental. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> yeah. You're like the editorial section, which is good. We need an editorial but section. But don't you think that that's ridiculous? Like, that's just... So you're saying you don't have the reactance bias? Well, I'm very reactive, but I don't know if I have this reactance (laughs) thing. That's true. I was actually trying to think of some bad examples to pin on you, and I was having a hard time. Well, I'm sure like in every other bias, like mood bias. Maybe in one of the next ones. Perhaps mood bias. (laughs) The mood bias. We'll we'll see what happens. Anyways. So in marriage, it might happen when you demand that your spouse does something, like helping with the housework, 
cutting down on some unhealthy behavior, spending more time with you or the family. And then they feel like their freedom is being threatened when that happens. So quite often they'll react negatively by taking even less care of the house or spending more time away or so on, just because I am independent and I don't have to do what you say. That's the reactance bias. I don't understand that one. That's interesting. Hmm. Anyways. So what can, you know, the people that struggle with this, what can they do about it? Those people that we're not judging. Mm-hmm. So the first step is to recognize when the bias is at work within you, yourself or others, as the case may be for some. You can learn to challenge this whenever it occurs. And we do have more on this in the bonus guide for today's episode. But if you're married to someone who's quite prone to react and bias for mm-hmm. Linda, you can also learn to phrase your requests differently so you don't trigger the bias. So the research has shown that there are effective ways to phrase requests so that they're less likely to trigger reactance bias. Okay. And these, this is from my Rosenberg and Siegel, a study in 2018. Number one, use less threatening language or less sort of mandating language. So instead of saying you have to, or you or must, you or I need you to, mm-hmm. try saying, could you, or I'd like you to, or do you think you could? So just much more of a request. Okay. So another way is to add a postscript to your request, adding phrases to the end of what you're asking your spouse to do that makes it seem more like a choice that they have. So you kind of state the request and then you say, you know, it's up to you, but it would really mean a lot to me. Hmm. Not not in like in a super guilting way, but just in a friendly way, right? Or could you da-da-da-da-da, only if it's not too much trouble or if you have time. So um, you get to choose, right? So if you notice, the postscripts underscore that you're giving your spouse the option to choose. Yeah, but if I'm asking you to do something... yeah. I'm asking because I'm expecting it'll get done. Not because like only if you have time, honey. It's because like I need help. So please, could you do this? So that's okay. But if you're going to say it like I'm expecting you get done, like I'm already like in my head, like, yeah. Yes, dear. Re- having a little bit of reactance actually. <laughs> <laughs> okay. But it's, it's, it's really about how you're asking, right? So an example uh, from like a family of origin issue, right? If, if, if a person had a father who was very demanding, mm-hmm. it'd be like, clear the table, son. Mm-hmm. And the mom was more like, could you help me clear the table, please? Mm-hmm. So there's there's resentment that's going to be built towards that demanding approach, right? Okay. And the reactance bias, because, because for a child, that's a demeaning experience, mm-hmm. which diminishes their sense of self and, and who they are as a person and makes them feel less than. Mm-hmm because of the way the command, the attitude in which it's given and that kind of thing, that person is going to have to push back against that in order to reestablish their sense of self and maintain their sense of identity, right? Which could get mm-hmm. kind of further crushing. So, so I think that this could be more common in people that have struggled with demanding or arrogant parenting. Okay. But like in a, in a marriage your equals, your peers, like you shouldn't be talking to your spouse that way. Absolutely. But this is a bias. So it can get programmed in at childhood. Oh, so and even you can if have a spouse who's not like that. You might but, still perceive it. Right. So if they're sensitive to this, this is why oh. the extra effort of softening the request is helpful. Oh, okay. Okay. So you can make it easier for your spouse to help you by yeah. asking, by th- being more cautious about how you, and this is just respecting something that's happened in your spouse's past without needing to fix them or change them. Okay. Okay. Right? Yeah. I can see that now. Yeah. And so by me explaining that, we just achieved the third thing, which these researchers identify, which is empathy, which is helping your, your spouse to see why this particular thing is an issue for you. And then seeing it from your perspective so that your spouse can want to help instead of feeling like they have to help you do what they're trying to do. So if you're, if you need help, um, 
I don't know, fixing the toilet. Mm-hmm. Helping your spouse develop some empathy for why it's difficult for you to fix the toilet okay. is more likely to lead them towards engaging with that than sort of demanding or pushing in order to try to get it done. Okay. Okay. Makes sense. I think so. So for this empathy part, is it the person with the reactance bias is trying to let their spouse know? No. No, it's the other person. Who doesn't have as much of a problem with reactance. Yeah. Like if you know your spouse doesn't like being pushed. Yeah. Empathy push develops them. a pull. Oh, I it, like that. It creates okay. an invitation through vulnerability. Okay. Which is so more then likely. they'll want to help instead yes. of it. Then they have yeah. that choice to help you. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Yeah. All right. So next one. What was that one again? That was reactance bias, okay. which is you push me, I'm going to push back. Right. Okay. So mood bias is is interesting. When judgments and actions related to your marriage are influenced by your current mood. <laughs> <laughs> but this, this, why are you laughing so hard, Valinda? Well, that's just, I can relate a little bit. Oh, so we just switched biases here. <laughs> So this occurs even if your mood has nothing to do with the current situation. Hmm. So in our brains, emotions and decisions and memories. I spent a lot of extra time on this one for some reason, really developing the <laughs> thought here. But emotions and decisions and memories, they're all linked in the brain, right? So when yeah. we're feeling one particular emotion, our brain activates memories and thoughts that fit with the current mood, with that emotion and all that stuff. Mm-hmm. And it dampens the memories and thoughts of everything that doesn't fit with it. Okay? That makes so much sense. Because if you're grumpy, you're going to remember all the things that the grumpy, make you grumpy. The grumpy making stuff. Ah, okay. So, yeah, that's really interesting. Is that's what that's saying, right? Or if we're feeling really happy, we're going to remember other things that make us happy. Yes. This isn't so much a lens that you see things through, but... So I just had a light bulb moment, and I need you to speak in defense of women around the world here. But is this not what makes PMS so legendary in its classic form? Like you're in pain and discomfort, so you're you're pulling in everything related to that. No, PMS is pre, so you're not in pain at that point. Oh, that's true. You're anticipating it. Yeah. But do women really have PMS before or during? Do you honestly need to ask me that? Yeah. Before? Why do you think I like cry that's true five day or three days i don't even know how many days that was the uh the bias from last week by the way what do you mean the bias from last week the when you said you honestly don't know that let me go back and check it out (laughs) that's the illusion of transparency bias (laughs) okay you should be able to understand my pms you stupid man well you're the one that brought it up (laughs) that's true anyways but (laughs) so maybe that's maybe that's not such a light bulb moment you get down or whatever because of the hormones raging in your body. Well, and so then you start thinking about all the negative stuff, to negative tell you stuff, that. and then it makes you worse. I think PMS is kind of like an island on its own that is a volcano. Okay, then we'll stay away from the volcano. Yeah. Anyways. So this can cause, we should do an episode on PMS and marriage. I wonder if there's research on that. I'm sure there's got to be some Caleb, guys that have studied that. Right now, we're talking about the mood okay. bias. So the mood bias can cause your mood to affect the way you relate to your spouse. I think I just got dismissed by all our female listeners. Apologies, female listeners. But like to me, you don't even need male. to say that. Of course, your mood affects the way you relate to your spouse. Yes. But what if the source of your mood has nothing to do with your spouse? So let me give you some examples tied to various brain functions. So think about memory. Mm-hmm. Feeling sad or angry, feeling sad or angry causes you to recall more sad and angry memories. Mm-hmm. And it makes it harder for you to have or recall happy memories. This was identified in a study in 2001. 
So for example, if you come home from work feeling frustrated, so that's the context, it'll be easier to recall things your spouse has done that frustrate you. So see how your mood has nothing to do with the current situation because you're at home now, but it can impact your marriage. Mm, Yeah, yeah. So this is the reactance bias. So I'm reacting to that other thing here. Now think about it in terms of the, the part of your brain that is related to attention. So if you're feeling anxious or down, that causes you to focus your attention on things that fit with those emotions of anxiety or depressive okay. emotions. So for example, if you're feeling sad, you're more likely to focus on the negative things that your spouse has done than the positive. Mm-hmm. Or if you're feeling anxious, you're more likely to pick up on the things your spouse does that heighten your uncertainty. Oh, so this is back to that cycle. Oh, yeah. It's, well, it's the brain trying to be efficient. Did you say this is back to us? No, I was like, yes. Oh, yes. Okay. And then interpretation as another function of the brain. So events and actions can also be filtered and interpreted to fit with your current mood. Mm-hmm. So for example, if if you're feeling anxious, you may interpret your spouse's snappy comment as a sign that they don't love you and they want to leave you rather than just seeing as it as a one-off snappy moment. He was grumpy. Yeah. Okay. You're okay. interpreting it to fit your current mood. I don't like the mood bias. So so once again, you should try the bonus guide. <laughs> For our much appreciated supporters, it helps you confront your thinking patterns. Is actually same as last time. You're doing a little CBT, but it's specific to these biases this week in order to capture what's happening and redirect that towards healthier thinking. So if you would like to engage in this mind-changing exercise, you can get it by becoming a patron of the Marriage Podcast for Smart People. We have bonus exercises every week for our patrons. And we'll just take a quick 60-second break to tell you more about that. What happens when the fairy tale marriage meets reality? Too often, high expectations lead to disappointment, communication breaks down, and the struggles of day-to-day life become overwhelming, leaving you feeling lost and without hope. Unfortunately, marriage does not come with an instruction manual. Marriage troubles are deeply personal and can take a toll on you, your spouse, and your family. Counseling can be expensive and divorce is very costly. It doesn't have to be this way. Caleb and Valinda understand your pain and frustration. Their mission is to help save as many marriages as possible. And to date, thousands of couples are helped through their weekly podcast. But the most important marriage they want to help save is yours. With a minimum of a $10 investment a month, you gain access to exclusive bonus content and valuable information to help you succeed in your own marriage. Learn more about saving marriages and how you can help at OYF.support. That's OYF.support. You're listening to the Marriage Podcast for Smart People. Before the break, we're talking about the mood bias and why it happens. Mm-hmm. And what to do about it. So there's two primary coping methods for the mood bias. One is stress regulation. So mood bias is much more pronounced when we're, when we're under high levels of stress. Okay. And you know that like when one... Like when dad is stressed or when mom is stressed, like everybody in the family the is family. kind of aware of it, yeah. right? Yeah. So learning effective ways to deal with stress can stop the bias from impacting you so much. Hmm. Stress regulation, that's one. The other is emotion regulation, which is learning to process, to regulate your emotions in healthy ways. That's probably the best way to stop them from interfering with your thoughts and actions. So when we can learn strategies to lift our mood or to take care of ourselves, to reduce our worry, that mm-hmm. can help with this. Even simple things like exercise, this came out in a study uh, actually last year. And then even things like adjusting your posture to be more oh. upright, less slouch, that came out in a study in 2017. Those can improve your mood. And when that's when the mood is improved, it reduces the influence of mood bias. And even smiling. Smiling. Like when you don't feel like it, if you just smile anyways. Yeah. Can make you feel better. True. 
So that's mood bias. And then confirmation bias. This is the last one we're talking about here. Okay. What is it? It's when you interpret events or you collect data sort of to fit with your already existing beliefs and opinions. Mm -hmm. It's looking for the data confirmed that confirms what you already think is true. So if I think you're mad at me, I'm going to be more attuned to any expressions of displeasure to confirm my belief that you're mad at me. This happens when like you buy a new car, like you get a new Mm -hmm. Lincoln and like you know, Lincolns are marketed to 50 to 65 year old guys, right? Okay. Older, wealthy guys. And he pulls up beside another Lincoln at the stoplight and he's like, oh, there's another good looking, successful dude. That's confirmation bias. Like we are the kind of people that buy these cars. Oh. Right. So in product marketing, they're looking for that, that to confirm the bias about how you want to see yourself. So you, you buy their product. Wow. Yes. So why does this happen? Well, once a belief forms in your mind, it takes a lot of effort to change that belief or yeah. to remove that belief, especially if the belief is something really important to you. So it's just much easier to interpret everything around you in such a way that it fits with the beliefs that you already hold. It's more efficient. So, you know, if a person looks a certain way, you know, they're better than this person or like you can believe these things. Yes. Huh. Like you're thinking almost in a church context. Yeah. Right? yeah. Oh yeah. Like in the, you know, as Christians, we get hammered with this stuff, right? So... We're looking for people that fit the pattern of, of how we expect things to happen at church based on our beliefs, mm-hmm. right? And, mm-hmm. and when they don't do that, we assume there must be something wrong with them spiritually. Well, what about the possibility that there's another way of doing Christianity? Or maybe the fact that they're doing way better than you are, yeah. but it's just your cognitive Even, bias that yes. has you stuck there. Yes. Oh my goodness. Okay. So we keep reinforcing what we believe because... You know, Verlinda, like on some of these things, it's hard to change your mind. Like we've had beliefs in that context that that have shifted over time. Yeah. And it's kind of like, man, it takes a while to shift on some of that stuff. Mm -hmm. Things that Mm -hmm. even things that need to change. So we put a lot of importance, a lot of emphasis on information that fits with our beliefs and we downplay or we write off or dismiss or excuse away information that contradicts with our beliefs. Okay. So bringing it really back to marriage though, right? If you form an opinion of your spouse, confirmation bias causes you to interpret most everything to confirm that belief. So this can be either positive or negative, right? So imagine a wife who holds the belief that my husband doesn't like spending time with me anymore. If she holds that belief. Mm-hmm. Now, if the husband one night has to cancel dinner plans and work late, she's going to interpret that in keeping with her belief, thinking that, you know what? He's hiding from me by staying at work now. And he mm-hmm. never wanted to have dinner with me in the first place. It was just a charade. Okay. So now it's escalating in her mind. But what if the wife held the same wife instead actually held the belief, I can depend on my husband to provide the family. If that was her strongest belief in that moment, she would look at exactly the same situation. She would interpret it to fit with that belief. So she might think, you know, obviously he'd rather spend time with me, but he needs to prioritize work right now so that he can provide for us. I'm going to make sure I have a hot plate for him when he gets home. Hmm. It's the same set of circumstances with a completely different interpretation Mm-hmm. And so this bias is not inherently problematic. It can go either way. Right. And here's another, like if you want to go to level two on the trickiness of the confirmation bias, we talked a little bit last time about family of origin stuff, right? Mm-hmm. So, you know, this is the the moments like we've had this in, in our marriage where, where we've had to say, you know what, I'm not your dad or I'm not your mom. Mm-hmm. Not meaning that, you know, I was trying to be that person, but we interpret our spouse's actions through the through lens of lens. the same gender in our family of origin. Mm-hmm. Right. Right. This is where, I mean, maybe this will be in the next part of what to do with it, but like where you need to give your spouse 
the benefit of the doubt. And we've talked about being generous with your yes. spouse. And yeah, yeah. But if you didn't have, even if you didn't have a generous parent, then then you might not see, assume that your spouse is going to be generous with you either. So I have to work late. I'm going to be in big doo-doo when I get home. So you come home ready for it at the door, mm. but your spouse, so this is your confirmation bias working mm. based so on your own family of origin now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And what is she at home thinking too, right? So you can, the two of you can have a big fight over nothing. So it might, yeah, it might be an explosion just on your own yeah, confirmation yeah. biases. So generosity is a huge thing like you said, which is giving your spouse the benefit of the doubt. Yeah. Another one is admiration. That's the key. So Gottman, that we refer to quite a bit in 1999, he wrote that admiration is one way to overcome negative confirmation bias because it helps you to see the best in your spouse and interpret their actions positively. Okay. It ties back to the example I gave. The wife who admires her spouse for what, you know, his dedication to provide for the family is going to interpret that in the best possible light, his working light. Okay. So when I think of admiration, it's like, oh, he's such a good this, he's such a good that, he's this, he's that. Like, is that what you're meaning here? Like just keeping those thoughts going through your head? Yep. Okay. Yeah. And they have to be realistic, right? Yeah. But, you know, we generally have a negativity bias in humans. Like we tend to see the problems with each other and point them out rather than seeing the good things in each other and pointing them mm. out. So this is, you know, Gottman also talks about developing a culture of admiration in yeah. your marriage, right? Yeah. So, And I think this is really good for families too. Like how can we really foster admiration? And we talked about that actually. Yeah. Episode 179. The short link to that is oif.link slash 179. Yeah. So developing admiration for your spouse helps you to form positive beliefs about them. And then that means you're going to interpret their actions in keeping with those positive beliefs more often. So in this situation, the confirmation bias is actually helping your marriage rather than hindering it. You're looking for the data that confirms what you believe. So if you believe yeah. positive things, you're in a positive spiral upwards. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Makes sense. Yes, I think so. So we yep. will wrap up. Thank you to Jim and to Michelle who became patrons between this recording and our previous one. Once again, we appreciate all our supporters. So thank you for working with us to help marriages. Next week, we're talking about... How couples can grow spiritually together, which I think is going to be pretty cool because... There's a lot of Christian couple do these spiritual habits together advice on the internet, like in the blogosphere. Oh, yeah. There's tons of it. So in this episode, we actually go into like the research to show what, what's actually really working and helping marriages. Yeah. Oh, interesting. Okay. That sounds good. And we yeah. this kind of is a further of what, oh, I don't know, when your spouse doesn't share your faith, episode 227. Yeah. This is more like when you do, how can you grow it together? Mm-hmm. That's good. Okay. Well, we are going to say bye for today because our episode's over. You can get the full show notes at oif.link slash 230. Find out how you can help. Go to oif.support. Thanks, and we'll see you next week. The Marriage Podcast for Smart People is totally funded by listeners who support Caleb and Belinda in their mission to save marriages. If you would like to be part of this worthy cause, open your web browser to oif.support. A minimum investment of $10 per month will help restore hope to married couples. Plus, as a patron, you'll gain access to exclusive bonus content and valuable information to help you succeed in your own marriage. Go to the website oyf.support now for more information. Thanks for listening to the Marriage Podcast for Smart People from Only You Forever.